We are at installment number four of Just Walk Across the Room. And this is a part of a theme that we're going to carry for a while this year, Ignite. Add to your prayer, please, in the morning. Lord, ignite my heart that I can love you better. I can love myself better. I can love my family better. If you're married, I can love my spouse better, my kids, my parents, my siblings, the people with whom I work or with whom I study and so forth. Just ask the Lord to ignite you. He will do that. Um, it, seemed, it seemed so obvious to me that... Uh, this morning was a time when the Lord was going to answer uh, the cries that some of you have, have done about this thing. You know, the pastor's on our back all the time about witnessing. And Lord, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I'm afraid to do it. I, I think I should do it. Would you help me? Boy, that's a great prayer. That is a great prayer. Pray that prayer. He will help you. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The fact, all mankind is lost. It is impossible to get to God on your own. But God so loved the world that he built the bridge. And what we are dealing with is in this series is, is to have as kind of a sub-theme how many of my associates, my friends, my relatives can I take to heaven with me? The words of God's story carry weight. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Jews first, then non-Jews. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now we're trying to make this easy for you and me. And uh, Bill Hybels in his book, Just Walk Across the Room, surfaced 3D living, living in 3D. Number one, develop friendships. Walk across the room, find out what's going on in their life. And that leads us to number two, D, discover their stories. Before you tell yours or God's story, learn theirs. Number three, D, discern the next steps. Listen to the Holy Spirit. This is so interesting to me that uh, Hybels, who is, is not a charismatic or Pentecostal, all the time through his book is talking about the Holy Spirit, just like Dan just talked about his dad. The Holy Spirit is trying to get through to the church, and we are the church. And when he gets through to us, he will lead us to stuff like happened to Dan's dad. 
Now, I know that it might just be freaky to you that you walk into a hospital room and somebody be rude. Uh, I thought that was a freaky story. I totally believe it. Uh, in, in the over 50 years that I have been a pastor, I, I have one time uh, when I said to the patient, I would like to have prayer with you, one of the children said, I'd just as soon you not. I went in and prayed anyway because I didn't go to see him. I went to see her. But um, that, that's the only time that's ever happened to me. So it's, it's freaky that that would happen. I totally believe that, Dan. And when God brings you into that place, he will have an answer. Now, many times it doesn't happen as quickly as it did in, in Dan's story, but it will happen. Plan on it. So how do we know how to do this? How can we get confidence to just do this? It's not about me. It's not about uh, promoting my business. It's about finding out what the Lord wants me to do in this room of strangers. Now, if you're on the job and you have to work, for goodness sakes, be a good worker and get your job done, okay? Be the best one in the whole company. But when it's sort of your time then it belongs to God in a very special way. And Jesus dealt with people, uh, and it seemed to me that he never did do this mass healing prayer. He always laid his hands on them. I don't know what that means except just what I said. He just always laid his hands on them. And uh, he would teach the masses, but parents would bring little children and want him to just Put his hands on them. Uh, some of these parents got caught in the act and got rebuked, but Jesus took care of the deal and blessed the kids anyway. He, he was about one on one. Now, this is not to take away from uh, evangelistic ministries that we have watched through the years. Eunice had on the TV last night from 1963, I believe, 1962 or 1963, Billy Graham's uh, Los Angeles uh, crusade. This, this guy has always been this incredible preacher. And um, it, it's just encouraging to hear him uh, tell the story about what the Lord is and about our need to respond. He didn't pull any punches, and that was so great. And uh, I know he slowed down, but you've got to imagine that that fire is still ignited in his heart. Jesus, in dealing with this one-on-one, -on -one, brings to us the story, the book of John chapter 4. And I've, I've told you this, and I've used this before. I just love it so much. It says, now, he had to go through Samaria. He was going from down south in Jerusalem back to uh, Galilee and he didn't have to go through. Now, I'm not arguing with Scripture. Just let me say this, okay? Just hold on. He didn't have to go through Galilee. I mean, yeah, through uh, Samaria. He didn't have to do that. They normally went to the east, crossed Jordan, uh, down by Jericho, went up the east side of the Jordan River till they got across the Jordan from Galilee and crossed over. So they didn't have to go through Samaria. But... When the Holy Spirit's in charge, 
he had to go through Samaria. I love that. That is so cool. Because he had to go through Samaria. You see, he walked in harmony with the Lord. And uh, I think the father, in the fellowship that he did early in the morning, I think the father sometimes told him what was going to happen that day, or at least part of it. I think this day, it's my guess that he just had to go through. <laughs> he just had to go through Samaria. I said, well, it's shorter that way, Father. It's okay. I'm okay with that. So they get about noon to a uh, well, Jacob's well, outside a village called Sikar. And uh, he, they had started about 6 a.m. and had walked... Uh, until noon, and uh, so he was tired, and he sat down there beside the well, and his disciples went in, all of them went into the village. Now, that's interesting to me, too. What, did it take all of them? They're going to buy that much food? What? It, no, part of the deal was this was not friendly territory, so they all wanted to stick together. But also, if one of them had wanted to stay with Jesus, just so Jesus might have somebody there with him in case a Samaritan came along and was threatening or something, Jesus would have sent him off because... He needed to be alone because in a minute, there's a gal showed up to get water. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And she says, say what? Or something like that. And there is in, in verse 8 this perfect line, or I'm sorry, verse 9. In parenthesis in the NIV, it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So we're talking about huge uh, ethnic uh, kinds of prejudice here. The Jews would not associate with Samaritans, and of course the Samaritans were perfectly okay with that. And then there was this huge gender separation so that we have everything going against this being a good uh, outcome of Jesus trying to minister to this broken life. But you see, don't worry about the screaming and the cursing in the hospital room. If the Lord sends you there, if he set this up, cool it, just relax. Watch what he does. So Jesus says, could I have a drink, please? And that, that's when she said, say what? Or another way, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And it was not a friendly question. This, and there's not a friendly look on her face. And so let me, let me just go through this with some steps with you. When God sends you across the room, first of all, you have to bridge the chasm, huge chasm here. You probably won't have to deal with chasms this wide in where the Lord sends you. Now, I think the cursing and screaming in a hospital room, that may, you know, that may fit here, but you won't probably run into that in your whole life. So, Jesus bridged the chasm. He reached across to her. Not well received. She didn't punch him out, nor bolt. 
but it was close perhaps to one or maybe both of those things in her mind. And then he asked a question and just reached out, just boom, in the Holy Spirit. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for drink, you would have, had, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And um, the story just goes on and this gal uh, sidesteps things and Jesus then comes down with this word of knowledge. Jesus was a charismatic, by the way. Word of knowledge. And he, he read a tiny little bit of her social history of which she was ashamed. But he did it in such a way not to hammer her. You see, all of this is, is devised by him to heal and to help and to make whole and to bring into the kingdom of God so that somebody gets a phone call and said, I, you know, I did, I did what I was supposed to do and, and I, I see I'm supposed to be baptized. Can I get back? You ready for that? Are you ready for that stuff? You say, that can't happen to me. That's true. But it can happen to the Holy Spirit. And if you're the carrier of the Holy Spirit, then it looks like it's happening to you. Now, we know it's God, but we, it looks like it's you. And then Jesus, having given this word of knowledge... He ran into something that you will run into, and that's called a rabbit trail. And so Jesus is trying to bring eternal life to this poor, broken lady. And she says, oh, a prophet. Hey, let's talk about the burning theological issue that separates us. Now, let me say this about that. There are, there are questions that are rabbit trails and there are questions that have to be answered for people's faith to go forward. That was not the case with her. This was a rabbit trail. But there are people who might say to you, you know, everything you're telling me about God's story in relating to me is out of the Bible. And I don't know that I believe the Bible. I have no particular reason to believe it. Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? And if they're sincere, if that's a real question, then you're going to have to get some, you're going to have to be this resource carrier, remember that line, resource provider. You bring answers, offer to meet them at, at the library or at a, at a Christian bookstore and, and get a book and go through it together that can strengthen their faith and give them confidence that the Word of God, that the Bible is the Word of God. Follow that? That's not complicated. This is not rocket science, folks. This is dying to ourselves to live to the Spirit so we can stop people from going to hell and take them to heaven with us. So this... Uh, Jesus uh, gave this incredible, wonderful theological truth about where to worship. The Jews say you have to worship on this mountain. The Samaritans say you have to worship on this mountain. And he said the time is coming. As a matter of fact, it's already here, he said. 
that they're both wrong. And then he just brought it right back because that was a rabbit trail. You, do, you are not obligated to follow rabbit trails unless the Spirit tells you, okay? You're obligated to bring life and just to bring it in the name of the Lord and however much the Holy Spirit seems to be saying they can take, bring it to them. So he brought it back and gave us that line about uh, the time is coming now is the father is seeking true worshipers and those that come to him will worship him in spirit or truly in the spirit is perhaps a the best translation so then there is that hope thing jesus knew who he was And the Holy Spirit would show him the brokenness in so very many people. And I want you to to get this picture. Here's a gal who is a social outcast. We assume that because she was coming to get water at a non-social hour. Drawing water was not a happy chore. So the women waited till the cool of the day. And they kind of made a gossip fest, you know, and just a social hour. To, to walk out to the well and get the water and wag it back to the house. She comes high noon. So we assume that she just doesn't fit there. It's entirely uh, thinkable <laughs> that some of her social history had contributed to her, her being ostracized and excluded socially. So Jesus now brings to this one who is is a Samaritan, and pardon me, girls, is a female. And he just fills her up with hope. And when he does this, she responds. She says, um, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and he said I I am he I who speak to you am he can you imagine that we're all looking for the Messiah we're all waiting for for Jesus to come we Messiah now has a name and so we say Jesus coming but they didn't they they knew Messiah which uh, is the Hebrew transliteration of the anointed one. In the Greek, it's, it's the Christos or the Christ. And it means the anointed one, the one separate. And so Jesus is sitting here. And he says. And you know what? She believed it. Is that amazing? She believed that he was the Messiah. That's pretty exciting. God's power was all. You talk about God's power being in a place, that, that well area. If you'd have walked up about that time, let me start over. If I had walked up about that time, I would have just burst into tears. That's what I do when I sense the presence of God. It's really manly, and um, I'm real proud of that. No, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, I sort of love it because, dear God, that's what we live for is for God to touch us. And so I would have just burst into tears for the, for the massive anointing 
that was there. You see, when you tell the story of God Almighty, it is the power of God to salvation. You don't believe that when you tell that story, it's the power of God, do you? Well, God's going to have to work with you, but he will because it is. It is not the carrier of the, of the gospel that is the main power. It is the gospel that's the main power. So Jesus gave her hope. And I want to bring this to you like this. We need to give hope to the hopeless. In Dan's dad's story, it was the business of a little tiny piece of printed matter that just just gave hope. You don't have to be cast out from God. You see, we have been taught as a culture and all the Western world sort of uh, subscribes to this that all paths lead to God, which means that all paths lead to eternal life with God. And we know that that, uh, the, that better definition is not true. All paths do lead to God. Everyone will stand before God. But only those who come in Jesus Christ will be received and will enter into heaven. All paths do not lead to heaven. Jesus Christ is the door to eternal life in heaven with the Father. And that's just the way it is. And so we now have the wonderful opportunity to give. And I think a lot of people, though we we think it's how good we are, they know they're not good enough, okay? If Mother Teresa gets in and if Billy Graham gets in, how am I going to get in? And people, people think like that. That's just, that's the human thing. We are just legalists. We just say... You, you reap what you sow. It's, it's all about the law. It, you know, that's the human thing. That makes the gospel really weird to people. But we need to bring hope to them. And Greg Ferguson wrote a song entitled Peacemaker. And it goes like this. Peacemaker, fear taker, soul soother. Storm smoother, light shiner, lost finder, cloud lifter, deliverer, mind clearer, sigh hearer, hand holder, consoler, wound binder, tear dryer, strength giver, provider, heart healer, kind father, peacemaker to me. May we pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are all of these things to humankind and we who deserve you stole.